Hello and welcome to the Living With Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Simone Denny, and I'm here to uncover how we find more joy, greater fulfillment and deeper purpose in our lives. I will be sharing my own journey, as well as insights from thought leaders and everyday people who are living with purpose and have created a life they truly love. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's just a delight to have you here and to share this journey with you. So here in the Southern Hemisphere, we have just entered into spring. So it's very exciting for us moving into a new season. And I know in the Northern Hemisphere, you are about to move into, well, you are moving into autumn and fall. And I thought it was the perfect time to talk about change because we are always going through change in our lives, whether it's the seasons and the, and the moving through the seasons, you know, external cycles or seasons, or those seasons within ourselves where we're feeling different ways depending on what's happening in our lives or the phases that we're in. And everything is, is going through movement. I mean, our entire body replaces itself every seven years. So nothing, nothing is stagnant. And I think it's quite apt to talk about um, how we move through life changes because often um, we don't even notice the seasons and cycles that we're living in day to day or week to week or even year to year but when it comes to making a, a big life change it can feel really vulnerable and I kind of want to talk about how we navigate our ways through these times of life changes. So many of us know in our heart and in our gut when it's time to make a change. And that might look like leaving your job or changing careers or leaving a relationship that's not serving you. So there's many different ways that that, that change, you know that that change needs to be made. And, and often we, we sit with things for too long because of the fear of what it will take and what it will feel like to make these changes. So even though we need to make a change, we get paralyzed by the how. How do we leave? So what often happens is we stay too long or we make a snap decision without having a really clear path and leave, and that leaves us feeling either lost or overwhelmed. So I'm really looking forward to sharing um, my guest today with you as um, she's somebody who transversed from one life to another and she really did it in a, a thoughtful and considered way. And her story also really resonates with me because she's somebody who made a move from um, banking into um, a very different career and uh, like me, she worked um, on a trading floor in, in London and um, if, you, if you don't know, in my background, I worked many years, 10, nearly 15 years in the banking industry and for some of that time I was on the trading floor um, working in electronic trading, which um, is... <laughs> Uh, kind of automating trading so it's really bringing in a lot of technology and for me it was working with a lot of um, men predominantly because of the combination of um, 
banking and technology. It's a bit of a double whammy. And yeah, I really has just speaking to Kate, who is our guest coming up, it's really taken me back to that time in my life where I was on um, the trading floor, which if you haven't been to, I remember working in Merrill Lynch where the trading floor is the size of a football field. And each um, person has about... Mm, six screens, um, possibly, you know, four to six screens in front of them, computer screens. And there is just a sea of people um, in front of all of these computers. And, uh, you know, the vibe is very high. It's very energetic. It's very exciting. Um, but yes, it's also very, very masculine. And um, so, yeah, moving from that into something else is, is a big shift. Um, and I know from um, Kate Smith Jamison, who I'm going to be talking to on this podcast, she was a commodities trader. And um, trading, there is very, very few, few women traders. Well, there, there was when I was working there. I'm not sure how much that's changed. And uh, she really was a leader in her game. And um, yeah, she, she's somebody who made the leap and it took her time and it required a strategy and it also required support, but she achieved it with grace and equanimity and she shares her journey of transition with us today. So from a commodities trader in one of London's leading investment banks, she was at Goldman Sachs, to a yoga and Ayurveda practitioner in Northern Ireland, Kate now lives her purpose through helping others enjoy the fruits of these ancient traditions by maintaining healthy, balanced minds and body, mind and body. So in our conversation today, Kate shares her journey from commodities trader to yoga and Ayurvedic teacher, the moment her heart knew the truth, how to leave on your own terms with grace and equanimity, why she engaged others to help her with her transition, how to stay energetically grounded during transition, why Ayurveda is the art of living wisely, why we need to listen to our bodies, the importance of breath, how to drop into your heart space and out of your head. I think we could all take some tips on that one. Learning how to be rather than just do, the importance of knowing um, that you are always supported in your transition at the, and that the universe is always there to catch you. So, if you are thinking about making a move or stepping into maybe a new purpose or leaving something that's not serving you, this is a really um, great conversation that we have. And if you enjoy it, please do leave us a review on iTunes and then um, or share it with your friends if uh, they might be interested. So without further ado, I'm delighted to welcome Kate Smith-Jamison. Hi there, Kate. I'm so delighted to welcome you from summertime in Ireland to join me tonight in New Zealand for this podcast. So nice to have you here. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be talking to you. <laughs> so Kate and I have kind of had a, a parallel life and um, we crossed over many years ago when we both had um, a very different 
purpose, a very different career. Both of us were working in banking and we I was at Merrill Lynch and Kate was at Goldman Sachs and we were just working around the corner from each other for well, Kate, for over a decade and for me a, a bit shorter than that. And we've both gone in quite different directions since then. And I'd love you, Kate, to share some of your story about where you've come from and where you are today. Wow. Okay. Huh. Where to start, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, very, very quickly, I suppose, um, before the uh, arrival at, at Goldman, you know, born in Belfast, studied, um, studied here, uh, went to Cambridge, studied languages. Wasn't an obvious route for me into bank, into banking, essentially, but um, that's where I landed after, um, you know, uh, I guess being a bit magnetized by a lot of my friends who were heading towards that, you know, that mm -hmm. industry. So I started at Goldman in 2000. Um, just right at, you know, I guess the peak of, of, of the kind of tech situation, um, started in equities. And then I moved into the commodities division uh, 2004, 2005. And that was really when um, things got pretty intense <laughs> from that kind of how you would imagine that archetypal working on a trading floor. I was trading commodities with hedge funds. Um, we kind of rode the whole bull run in oil right the way up to the highs in 2008. Um, and, you know, it was a pretty, uh, it was fun. It was vibrant. It was exhilarating. It was exhausting. You know, it was all those things that you, that you would associate, you know, with that. There was a lot of money being made. Um, it was good times in the banking system. The financial crisis obviously happened and a lot of things changed. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I stayed, I had a child in 2010, um, and, uh, and I decided that it was time to do something different, um, around about 2012. And I finally left in, in 2014, but throughout my time at Goldman, probably right from the beginning, I was practicing yoga, um, initially more as a physical practice. You know, I, I dived into the Ashtanga, um, uh, practice of yoga and then probably from around 2005, 2006, um, I started to, you know, as things got really busy in that new role, I, um, you know, holidays had to become rest, <laughs> right? You know, so I started to go on yoga retreats. So I, the first one I went on was with a good friend who runs a business called Yogology to Barbados. And, you know, it was really then that um, I suppose I started to feel like, okay, this is actually something really significant in my life now, not just because of the, the, um, the kind of rejuvenation aspect, but also how it was making me realize things that really interested me from a more philosophical point of view that I probably always really felt, you know, I always felt that I, that I saw things in maybe a way that, can you really say that? Can you really talk about that? You know, slightly mystic, slightly esoteric. And so that was something that, you know, it helped me. I think, honestly, I wouldn't have lasted as long at Goldman without practicing, without my yoga practice as I did. And so I basically um, ended up, um, yeah, you know, weaving that into my life. I met our mutual friend, Lisa Halme, who introduced me to Mark Whitwell um, and the Krishnamacharya lineage of, of yoga. Um, and I started to consider teacher training then at a, in a, you know, around 2006, 2007, 2007 probably. And then um, 
and then just went with that. So parallel to working at Goldman, I started doing my yoga teacher trainings, which was again, sort of where my holidays were spent um, throughout that time. And once I decided that, and you know, that what I was doing wasn't enriching my life anymore, I obviously had a child then, um, that was when I started to plant the seeds to evolve with what was really making my heart sing, basically. And I love writing. I used to write a lot of commentary at, at Goldman. Um, so that was also part of that, you know, was going to be part of my change. And um, so 2014, basically, fast forwarding, you know, done my yoga teacher training. I also um, studied an Ayurveda, a diploma in Ayurveda, which is the sister science to, um, to yoga. You know, Ayurveda is the, you know, the, the science for the healing of the body. Yoga is the science for the healing of the mind in, in, you know, in, in that philosophical terms. And so, um, yeah, February 2014, I left Goldman and I moved back to Ireland. Um, with my son so i was a single parent by then the relationship with my my first son's father didn't work out we we're great friends that was you know um that was obviously all happening at the same time in 2012 as well so um yeah so coming back here was very much a grounding exercise um and you know we took some time out and traveled and saw friends and then i set up um two businesses, one called Wordsmith, which is my, my writing business. So when I left Goldman, I had friends who um, asked me to, well, to work for them, which I wasn't wanting to do back in that industry, but which, um, you know, allowed me to carve out a way to, to harness what I really loved about my old job and to help people with their businesses. So I do some writing. So I still write some market commentary for another very dear mutual friend of ours in New York. And I also help um, some hedge funds sort of express their uh, their practice, their you know their, um, their their investor letters, but the main thing that is where I am now and what I what I actually do while I'm here is um, my yoga and Ayurveda clinic, which is what I call myself, the yoga and Ayurveda clinic, and that is a um, a Belfast based I guess you call it a consultancy, but that sounds very corporate. It's a place where people can come and find out more about themselves through initially an Ayurvedic consultation, which may then lead into one-to-one -one yoga sessions, which may lead to massage, which may lead to ongoing consultations, depending whether they're just curious about Ayurveda or whether they have really specific imbalances that they need some help with. So um, that is what I do now. I also do workshops at various studios around Northern Ireland and um, and I'm, you know, beginning to um, to think about more like uh, online consultations, that that sort of thing as well, because there is, you know, seems to be a lot more interest coming in about Ayurveda, um, and that kind of bring without go, yeah, that kind of brings us to to today, I guess. So I hope, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a beautiful journey, and I think probably quite a few people who are listening have been in that situation where you've done a career and it has served you in many ways and like you say it's fun and and it's um, an incredible experience and maybe it's lucrative and then um, you get to this point where there is something in you that says there's a different way 
And do you remember that time? Obviously, the seed had been planted by doing yoga and, and, and retreats along the way. But do you remember when you actually made a decision that this is a turning point for me, I, I need to leave? Because I think what's, you know, what's true for you and for me in this, it, it doesn't happen straight away. It's a process to, to shift out of a whole career and start a different life. But do you yeah. remember a kind of key turning point where you were at work and were like, no, it's time now to, to, to prepare to move? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. And it was, you know, I came back from maternity leave. I took like, I took a year, which was, I guess, long compared to a lot of other people at the time from, from work and came back. And so about five years, five months rather, um, after I returned from maternity leave. So it was early 2012. Um, and it's funny because I have, I, when we started talking about, um, you know, having a chat about all this, I went back to old diaries, um, which uh, have been enlightening in many ways because you forget stuff, you know? Um, so I have this diary of a day, which I, the beginning line is, um, uh, oh goodness, I mean, yeah. Pivotal day for me in terms of recognizing what matters to me and how human beings have forgotten how to talk to one another. Um, Basically, yeah, I had, a, I had a, a bit of a confrontation with a trader who, um, you know, it was very irrational. He was obviously very stressed, but it just all came out at me. Um, and as I say in this diary that I wrote on that day, it shook my communication foundation and reminded me how pride and fear can cause such anger. Um, I don't want to be around this. The energy is dark and I need to leave if I am to help at all. Mm. And I do, and I do want to help heal this industry or at least some of the people in it. And on that day, I also, um, my son who would have been, uh, 16 months or 15, 16, no, yeah, 16, 17 months old. He had, he had fallen off the bed and, um, my partner, his dad at the time, uh, had, had contacted me. So I was flying home to get to Mac, um, to comfort him. And again, in this, in this, uh, in this entry, um, you know, we both see each other and we both cry again, you know, and, and I just write about how I cried for everything for him, for me not being there for the pain in my shoulder. I had real neck problems, shoulder problems and for my day at work. And then the last thing I write in this entry is, but my heart knows the truth and that's all that matters. Mm, so so actually, actually when I reread that, I kind of understand what a big kind of moment it was and then I remember it was maybe two weeks later that I sat down with um with a, a guy who was instrumental in kind of steering me out because it took me two years to leave um that I sat down with him and went right that's it I'm, I'm mm. gone I need yeah to. I'd love you to share a little bit about that Kate because um like I was saying there is those moments where it's so tempting just to get up and pack your bag and just walk out of that, yeah. that, that yeah. job and say, I'm over it, I'm out. But the reality yeah. is you need some form of in infrastructure, whether you're starting a business, moving country or starting a yeah. new life. It's yeah. really hard to just quit and walk out the door, even though the passion is, you know, fueling you to do oh, yeah. it. So yeah. 
I'm really interested in how what you did to to um, to pull yourself out of there and create a new life within those two years because I know that it, it actually was quite planned and quite conscious of how you did that and I think it's really interesting for people to, to kind of understand that it's not an overnight thing to just change into a new a new life essentially. Mm. Yeah, look, there, you know, throughout those two years, trust me, there were days where I just wanted to hit the eject button, you know, um, and that's not to say... Okay, so one thing that I found um, probably most surprising and most helpful about um, making a plan to, uh, to leave and make it your mantra that you will leave on your own terms, right? No one is going to be the, the driver of that moment when you hit that eject button, you know, that you are you are the captain of your own ship, right? You are the one who's going to take yourself out of there and you want to do it, or at least I did, you want to do it on really good terms. And, you know, another entry I, I read of the day that I left Goldman was just how bowled over I was by the love from the people there. And that was really important to me that it, it that because I had had such an enriching career, you know, the fact that I was feeling these, you know, these, these constraints was, was me, you know, it's, it's, you know, other people were happy doing their thing. It was time for me to go though. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess through the two years, the two people that I, um, kept in closest contact with to steer me in such a way were, um, a wonderful man called Rod Hamilton, who's a, I guess he's my, you know, he was a financial advisor, you know, has become a very dear friend. Um, who constantly reminded me of the, he was the, he was a practical guy he was the you know getting the whole financial thing you know in place because it was just me and my son and you know I, I wanted to make sure we were um, you know we were going to be secure and stable and in ways until I worked out what I was going to be doing although I knew what I was you know I was going to be doing um, and then um, I on the totally other end of the spectrum I um, I'd met a, a lady called uh, Natasha Manolakis, who's based in Barbados. I met her on one of the first yoga retreats that I went on. And she, she, is, she calls herself an energy medicine healer. So she helps clearing a lot of both you know, past history, energy, um, uh, uh, repetitive um, patterns in your life, just helping you see clearly, you know, in a, in a clairvoyant sort of a way, you know, she transmits light language, you know, all the things that you maybe wouldn't associate with a, a practical departure from, but, but that is something that, that I work with. And that is something that I also discovered was really, really important to, um, to me. It still, it still is. Um, and, um, and also just to help me stay uh, energetically grounded. So a practice that I take to this day and that I still, that, that you know, I, I brought from that is just sitting and grounding, you know, um, making sure your connection to the earth is, is strong and steady. And obviously my yoga practice throughout was weaved into that, but um, you know, it is, it is something that because I was going or planning to go through such huge change, um, it, it was important to have that, you know, feeling of inner stability to keep me kind of, you know, um, basically not just taking off into outer space because of, you know, the lightening effects of doing these, you know, of putting these, these, these changes in place. And I have to say both of those 
things, you know, it actually helped me enjoy my work more weirdly through the last few, you know, the last couple of years, because firstly, you know, when you have a small child and you know this, that when you're working, you are, you are, you are there, you're very present, you know, you are making the most of every moment um, because your time is, you know, is valuable and it is being um, obviously requested of by a lot more, a lot more people and people who you love. Um, and, uh, and also just because of the, you know, because of those, as I say, those, those practices, it was, um, it was like, right, okay, I'm, I'm here in a very, you know, I'm approaching my work with equanimity, true equanimity, you know, and, and, um, and appreciating, you know, what you were doing and why you were doing it. And all the while staying focused on your ultimate, you know, goal, which was to, you know, just fly gently <laughs> away saying, thanks guys, but it's time, time for me to go. And, yeah. and, that's how, and that's how it played out. Truly, that really is how, it, how it, it played out. Obviously, towards the end, you know, and getting everything in place and my house in London, you know, there were, there were obviously stressful moments through, you know, throughout, you know, being, being somewhere, but ultimately wanting to be somewhere else. There was always that. And that was something that um, my yoga practice and, and grounding practices and taking care of myself were, you know, crucial. Mm. What would you say to people um, who are looking to make a leap like this um, or even are in the middle of transition now? I know you sometimes bring in some of your Ayurvedic practices in, yeah. in that. Um, kind of what advice would you give them um, either just pre-transition or transitioning into something different? Um, listen. You know, listen and, okay, yes, uh, you know, um, yoga practices, meditation practice. I mean, we don't, we don't need to call them anything, you know. Just sit quietly with your eyes closed and, you know, look within and listen to what your body and your heart um, are, are telling you, you know. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember, you know, in the middle of yoga practices, um, you know, it was like someone was like hitting me on the head. You know, don't forget, this is what you want to do. Like, don't forget. And you really have to listen to that, you know, because it is so easy, especially when you have a family and when your work is busy, just to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, I know. I mean, of course I want to be a, you know, a ballerina or I want to be a, you know, an astronaut or I want to be a stay-at-home mother or any you know, legitimate desire that comes from your heart um, needs to be listened to, you know, like in that, in that entry that I wrote, but my heart knows the truth. That's all that matters, you know? So, I mean, I guess that, that sounds like a real, but you know, it, it is easy not to listen. It's easy to ignore those messages and those voices. So, you know, that's, that's probably the first thing um, because it really does help you breathe again. And I guess, you know, from a practical point of view, um, you know, the support from, uh, from yoga, you know, um, Ayurveda for me, you know, getting to know yourself better, which is all part of listening, you know, because when we go against our natural, um, you know, our natural um, uh, ways, we can cause blockages, we cause stagnation, 
we cause problems for ourselves, for our heart, for our body, for our mind, for our soul, you know, um, if we don't, if we don't listen. And Ayurveda, you know, is very much about not only moving with the seasons, you know, where we live, what it's like outside, but also understanding, okay, I'm the kind of person who has a more dominant fire element within me. So I need practices that are going to help cool me down, help nourish me, help me not completely burn myself out. You know, that is an expression, I guess, that gets associated with the kind of work that we used to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and really, um, uh, staying true to those and you know again for me a yoga practice or any practice that brings you in closer connection with your body and your breath you know um, whether you call it pranayama which is the word we use in yoga for you know breath practices or just you know lisa our friend also works with breath working you know, anything that is about bringing ourselves closer to our body becoming more embodied becoming more in tune with what it is that actually gives us life, you know, um, and and that um, you know that was something that um, actually even in my evolution of my yoga practice and my yoga teacher training, etc., um, was what really unlocked the key to yoga for me. Is, is are those kinds of practices, you know, um, working with the breath, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just going on from there, you had from yoga, like you said, you kind of journeyed into Ayurveda. Can you share a little bit about this practice and and how you use it in your own life? Yeah. So I, I mean, Ayurveda kind of came to me during um, my my teacher, my Vinyasa Krama teacher training. My teacher at the time was weaving it more. You know, he was he was diving into it from a from a um, from a qualification perspective as well. So I was introduced by him to, you know, texts by David Frawley, by um, Vasant Lad, Dr. Vasant Lad, um, probably two of the best known, I guess, in the West in terms of um, bringing Ayurveda. And then I went to, um, and, and so he was also doing a diploma with Deepa Apte in London, who's a wonderful, generous, amazing um, She's an Ayurvedic doctor and Western doctor actually as well, and she does she does courses in London. So that's where that's where it you know that's where it, it it came to me because it just became so clear that knowing yourself better, understanding your constitution um, better, and Ayur, I mean Ayurveda literally means the science of life. Although to me it's more like the art of living wisely. You know, it's it's um, it's uh, it's getting to know yourself better seeing yourself as this holistic being, you know, mind, body, spirit, emotions are all, you know, looked at with the same theoretical approach in Ayurveda. Um, And so, and, you know, classically in India, you actually had to study Ayurveda before you practice yoga, which again makes perfect sense. You know yourself better. You understand the type of yoga that is going to work best for you. Um, and 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 therefore you live a healthier longer life you know that is the goal it's longevity with health you know it it, it sees us as having 100 years of life and and healthy ones at that you know um so it's a very preventative approach to and that, you know that sounds 
uh, it's more of a lifestyle, I guess, is, is how I would look at it. Um, and, you know, for me, um, that really turned a lot of lights on understanding the kind of person I am. You know, um, Ayurveda, um, the main theory sees the five main elements of space, air, fire, water, and earth as being the, the, um, the basis for, for all matter. Um, in differing um, and in different quantities, I guess, in all you know, in all yeah, manifest matter. Basically, it it, it descends from the Sankhya philosophy, same as yoga, uh, the Yoga Sutras. Um, and so, the what you will hear talked about in Ayurvedic terms, we think about our constitution in terms of doshas. So, the doshas are um, biophysical forces or humors, I guess they get called, they descend from the elements, the elements of space and air combine to create vata dosha, fire and a little bit of water create pitta dosha, and water and earth create kapha dosha. So these terms may or may not be familiar to the guys listening here, but um, they are, um, you know, those are the terms that we use when we talk about what is your constitution, what is your body type. And we have a, we have a constitution that is 70, 80% set by the time we are born, which never changes. So if you imagine that as like a big, beautiful oak table, you know, um, but over time it gets covered in dust and scratches and bumps and things like that. So those are the things, those bumps and scratches and, and, and dust and things are, you know, the food we eat, the relationships we have, the seasons, where we live, you know, all the current things that affect our lives. And Ayurveda seeks to, you know, wipe that table, you know, keep us in balance, basis our own constitution, not because everything should be in perfect balance in the elements, but basis our own natural constitution. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we do that predominantly via, you know, being aware of the food that we eat. You know, if we're a particularly fiery person, you know, eating a whole load of chili every day is, is going to just totally imbalance us. You know, um, if we are a vata person, you know, eating grounding food, eating nourishing food, you know, vata tends to be irregular. If you imagine space and air, you know, there's not a lot of grounding there. Um, and so for me, and then kapha is water, earth, you know, kapha sometimes needs a little bit of, mm, you know, that's, those are the constitutions that can take the chili, they can drink the coffee, you know, they probably need that. You know, those are people who tend towards a little bit, being a little bit more lethargic, being a little bit more, um, but equally being, very compassionate, you know, being very grounded kind of people. So, you know, a bit, I guess, similar to tantric philosophy, you know, Ayurveda sees the world as a series of opposites. So there is always somewhere to go to if we feel imbalanced in one way, you know, we look to the other elements to bring us back into balance, you know, and again, depending on what our constitution is, and I would be a more Pitta dominant person. So, you know, Pitta people are fiery and sharp and organized and focused and, um, ambitious and goal-oriented, um, intelligent, you know, they're, um, when balanced, you know, all of those things work in a, in a happy way. When imbalanced, they can tend towards the hotter emotions, you know, anger, um, frustration, irritation, being overly critically minded, that kind of thing. Um, so bringing those into balance is, 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 is embracing practices like you're a pit of person you probably want to do you know 
108 rounds of sun salutation really fast because you can because pitta people are very capable they're strong you know but what you should do is slower rounds of moon salutes you know outside you know um shitali pranayama cooling pranayama um try and eat more um sweet bitter and astringent foods for example you mm. know um that will cool you down that will help balance the fire in you you know so those are all the kind of you know diet lifestyle um herbs again you know ayurvedic herbs are very very important to that practice too um you kind of mentioned that sorry when um you know when you went through your transition of leaving the bank which was you know you can be very pitta and you can be striving and getting results and things and then you go into this slightly unknown space which i think you'd refer to as more vata where it's lots of change and you're you know it's much more that air space where you're not sure where you're it's losing that stability yeah how, totally um you know how, how would you balance that feeling in you when you know everything feels a bit flighty and maybe slightly out of control um how would you balance that energy when you're going through a transition like you did yeah i mean the you know if we think about the elements and how they kind of evolve, I guess, you know, we are, um, you know, too much fire will literally burn you out, you know, turn you crispy <laughs> and dry out, which are, um, which are characteristics of Vata Dosha, you know, it lacks fire, water and earth, you know, so, you know, you're, you're right. Um, that can manifest anyway, you know, some of the classic kind of Vata imbalances are, you know, insomnia, um, lower back pain, um, constipation, you know, all things that I know people in, in, you know, sitting at desks in stressful, um, stressful, uh, jobs, um, they, they go through that. Um, and so how do we balance Vata either when the Pitta has sort of taken you to that point, And if you're going through, even if it's a, a self, um, self-planned change you know we we look to um the other elements to to balance it so we want to um you you, you know you you ground vata you 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 want to bring in grounding and warming and nourishing practices you know so from a food point of view you want to think about you know in ayurvedic terms we think of the taste of sweet sour and salty foods Right, those that are going to keep us keep us nourished, um, that are going to um, basically pacify any of those um, drier, lighter elements that come with us, with vata. Um, we, you know, Ayurveda tends to sort of recommend that all food should be cooked, but that's very important for vata. Um, you know, nourishing, hearty, unctuous foods using good oils, for example, you know. The use of ghee and things like that is very important in, um, you know, in, in this type of food preparation. Then when it comes to your practice, your exercise, whether it's yoga or anything else, you know, it wants to be slower and more conscious. Um, again, from a yoga point of view, we think of forward bends. We think of, you know, the seat of vata as far as Ayurveda is concerned is in the large intestine. So yoga practices that will access that forwards bends, 
twists um, and really working with the kind of lower part of the body with with the abdomen um, you know even just from a chakra point of view you know the earth water and fire elements are, are are located there those are the three elements that we want to try to to embody to to, to take the qualities of those to balance vata mm-hmm. and then you know um, long shavasana long relaxation poses um, from a yoga point of view and and you know from a from a meditation or from a, a reflection point of view you know, sometimes when we have a very active vata, sometimes pitta as well, but vata, vata mind, you know, pitta likes something to focus on and is good at focusing. So pitta people tend to be good at, you know, at, at meditation. Um, kapha types probably just like to fall asleep. But, um, but with vata, because the mind can be so um, chaotic um, when we're going through that, you know, being told, oh, just sit and meditate on your nose can be absolutely petrifying, you know? Um, so giving, giving your meditation practice, you know, mantra, sound particularly works really, really well for pacifying vata. You know, visualizations also, you know, visualizing those grounding, um, grounding outlooks, you know, mountains, trees, you know, um, the sun for warmth. Um, and also there's pranayama that I mentioned, you know, the, the, the breathing to keep that balance, you know, pranayama is really the, the best tonic for the nervous system and the nervous system is governed by vata dosha. So it is, um, you know, nadi shodhana, the alternate nostril breathing is, is, is really, really helpful, you know, for that, um, mm-hmm. for achieving that. So those, I guess, are sort of the main ways. And, and I should say massage, you know, oil massage, you know, touch is, is the sense that really helps ground vata. So any kind of massage, even if you can own, you know, not only giving self massage is a beautiful thing, you know, massage yourself. I do it every morning, you know, with whatever the seasonally appropriate oil is or, or the oil for you, you know, to, to really nourish you from the outside in. Hopefully the food is nourishing from the inside out. Um, so that is also a really, uh, a really important way to help balance that, that those types yeah. of feelings. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's an enormous topic that you could speak all day on. And I've just got a couple of um, questions here. As you know, we're talking about living on purpose and a lot of what we have been talking about, even Ayurveda, is about living in a purposeful way. Um, What would you say, what are some of the things that we could do for our bodies for us to live in our, our best lives? Just... Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, listen to them. It's probably the first thing, you know, um, because we do let our minds, you know, run roughshod really a lot of the time. Um, uh, whether it's, um, a, about what we want to do, you know, how we're feeling in the morning, like getting back to that ritual thing. You know, if our body is really saying, you know what, I am depleted and I need to rest, well then rest, you know. Forget what your pit of mind is telling you about the 10-mile run that you're supposed to be doing. Just listen, you know. And that goes hand in hand, obviously, with the listening within as well. But that's, a, that's maybe a different, you know, different topic. Specifically for the body, I think, you know, listen to it. Give your body the food it likes, not the food that your mind tells you you like <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, and I think just 
the whole idea of of embodiment, you know, like really bow down to your cellular intelligence, you know. Um, again, this brings in yoga practice, you know, um, and yeah, that that really worshiping your body, that sort of non-dualistic approach to the fact that everything that is your highest expectation or not expectation, your highest um, visualization it is within you know is is within you you know mm. it's within this prana pranified you know um body so so really take care you know mm. take care of your body massage yourself you know snehana mm. the word and i you know it's to give love give love to yourself like physically um it's a lovely yeah, practice I, to do every day mm. i can i really feel you on that listening to your body and it's something that i don't know if it comes with age or if it comes with moving more into your feminine but that's something that i've noticed myself is just being a little less hard on myself if i've scheduled to go and do some kind of exercise or something and then the body says something different it's actually just surrendering to that yeah and knowing that actually that's the right thing rather than having this prescribed idea of what you should be doing, um, which is just a learning and it's, you know, ongoing practice to actually listen, which is, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I hear you. And the feminine, what you mentioned there and, and even just the, the softening. Yeah. The, you know, that, that, um, yeah, that sort of Shakti awareness of, 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 um, you know, yeah, the intelligence, the creative force and, and how we're, um, you know, we have, we're equipped with that. You know, mm. we, we have, we have those, um, we have that intelligence within our bodies. Yeah. 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 And for um, both you and I, we've spent many, many years just operating from our heads in a, you know, very corporate masculine world. And mm. slowly it's been the unfurling of us over time, you know, moving into a very different, softer feminine space or um so yeah it's not it's it's a journey and i think having having children obviously puts you more in that space again hopefully i would say you know what you're doing you know bringing the ability to organize you know those those pitta seemingly more masculine mm -hmm. but you know the, the, the strong feminine energy is also hugely powerful as well you know to 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 harness what you did before to do what you're doing now as well you know it's um, it's it's wonderful yeah yeah it's really striking the balance isn't it and that's i mean it's like you say there's a season for everything and within everything we're doing there's a time for us to be more masculine there's time for us to be more feminine there's time for us to be in our yang and yin and that's yeah. just the flow of um finding that rhythm within ourselves isn't it there's not totally. there's not it's not balanced to be in just one energy and men and for men too, you know, absolutely that, yeah, that flowing with the Shiva Shakti, you know. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say that we can do for our minds? Speaking of going back to the head. <laughs> going back to the head. Um, for, for, for me, um, you know, it's, um, it, it comes back to the breath, you know, it comes back to, you know, when I first started practicing yoga, um, and probably, you know, being a, you know, the type of person who likes to really get to the roots of things, 
you know, so I dived into like the yoga sutras quite, quite, quite early on. And, and that sutra, you know, the yoga chitta buddhi nirodaha, you know, yoga stops or calms or, or the fluctuations of the mind was just like, wow, okay, how do I do this? <laughs> you know, that was the real, like, you know, one of the early kind of hooks, if you like, you know, for me, once I'd sort of got beyond the physical kind of side of it. So, and for me, the, you know, of course, our, our, our physical yoga practice and, you know, we are obviously practicing um, and, and harnessing our movement with our breath throughout. Um, and I think we, if you really, um, you know, stay very um, conscious of, you know, of your breath, you know, thinking what you were saying before, you know, what sitting on a trading floor, like I, you're just not breathing consciously, you know, obviously when you're busy, it's, just, but it's, it's, it's having practices that, allow you to check in with with that and that is for me the secret to dropping into your you know one of the secrets on top of the you know the physical yoga practice of dropping into your heart space and really focusing on practices that help you know bring our brain and heart waves into entrainment you know Shiva Ray talks about this a lot in her you know in in in, in her book and when we think about you know, the electromagnetic field of the heart compared to the mind or compared to the brain, excuse me, you know, obviously they're all parts of our body, but the heart is 5,000 times more um, uh, electromagnified, if I can use that as a verb, um, than the brain, you know. So those practices that take us um, out of our heads, you know, and give our mind a flipping break, more, more importantly, when you're our kind of people or people who are, have very, very active minds, you know, and those, um, those practices and those um, pranayama techniques, I think are just, uh, are, are gold for mm. that. They really nourish the nervous system and, and, um, and allow us to, to really rest, mm. you know, really rest mm. properly. I love that talking about practices that move you into your heart space. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about what can we do for our mind, it's just uh, let your mind rest, let your mind, you know, drop into your heart so that, um, you know, so that you can be more intuitive, so that you can be more in touch with how you feel rather than how you think. And that's just an ongoing challenge, I know, for me, but it's been a really big journey in the last seven years for me is, is learning how to feel and be more intuitive rather than always have a logical way of working things through. And it's an ongoing journey, but um, it has been a, a huge shift for me. Yeah. I, yeah. One just as we're kind of coming towards the end, I wanted to ask you if you have a favorite book or quote that you feel has been a guiding force in your life. Um. Mm -hmm. I talk about the breath, I guess, a lot today. And, you know, Krishnamacharya's quote, um, which I think is the only one on my website right now. So it's one that really resonates with me, which is master the breath, let the self be in bliss and contemplate on the sublime within you. Kind mm -hmm. of encapsulates um, many things that if we could all try and do those things, um, we would hopefully feel better in our bodies, you know. Um, yeah. That's yeah. so beautiful. What a, what a beautiful quote. Um, we'll uh, yeah. 
pop that in our show notes so that people can have a reread of those beautiful words. And just coming back to you, is there anything that you're working through in yourself at the moment? I know that we're always working on something. Is there something particular that you're working through? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think as a, as a, as a householder, as I guess we talk about as a, as a mother, as a, as a, you know, uh, writer, yoga teacher, Ayurvedic practitioner, um, and as a Pitta person, <laughs> uh, Pitta Kapha technically, I guess, um, you know, patience is the thing that I have to try and cultivate, um, for myself, you know, I, I feel particularly at the moment, you know, very, uh, you know, having my, my second son is now approaching two. So I'm kind of coming out of that very baby, um, beautiful phase with him. And there's a real like surge of wanting to learn and keep learning, you know, because that's how I think, um, uh, you know, we do every day, you know, and, and, and I have to kind of like, just not hold myself back, but just remind myself to, to be patient. Um, and I think also, um, you know, when you've worked for 14 years in a business that I, that I worked in, you know, you are programmed to do all the time you are on all the time. So that patience comes in, not only patience with myself, patience with others um but it's also that just being is okay you know it's not always doing and again that is part of the person that you are and the person that i am but it's also i guess some of the conditioning um of that career for you know for so for so long you know it takes a long time to fully unplug from that. And we probably don't, don't ever, because there's a reason why we were in the career in the first place. You know, those are our characteristics, you know? Um, I can totally relate <laughs> with that. And, and the thing is, is that we and people are rewarded for doing, um, that's, that's kind of why it's so hard to unlearn it because, yeah. you know, we're rewarded for working hard. And when you find that there's a different way, and that you can still achieve through being. It's, it's really a, a shift in mindset, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. And it's a daily, you know, it is it's something that we, you know, and, and doing things that, that bring us joy, you know, like those are the things, you know, um, that, that those are all good doing things, but it's the, it's, you know, again, it brings me back and, and I've kind of been diving a bit more into a lot of the, you know, the tantric Buddhist teachings as well. And a lot of those are very much about, um, you know, being present in whatever it is that you're doing. So even if you are doing a mundane task, it's about trying to juice it up a bit somehow. And sometimes that's difficult when you're doing taxes or, you know, all the, you know, but you know, that's the, you know, I guess that's, that's the goal. Um, that's the goal as well. And, you know, I guess as long as we can try and keep those things in our minds mm. or in our hearts. More. Beautiful. And do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our followers um, that maybe you've learned through this journey? I mean, you've shared many words of wisdom <laughs> through this talk. 
Wow. Um, keep a diary, obviously. <laughs> really, I mean, I, I, I laugh about that, but, you know, again, depending on the kind of person you are, some people remember things very well, some people don't. I, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a meditation as well. You know, Ayurveda sees writing, and I mean writing with your own hand, not typing it, unfortunately, you know, but um, it, it is a beautiful way to, um, to be creative, you know, whether it's just for you, you know, um, and it, it can be a real therapy, I think. And I, I don't keep it every day, but I have books everywhere in the house that, you know, years past. So I guess that would be one thing, um, which has kind of, you know, become clear, especially having this conversation with you, having, you know, reminded myself of things. Um, I, you know, listen, listen to your heart, you know, is, 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 is of course what we've been talking about. Um, but also just being, um, being open-minded and, and, um, you know, taking advice, but, but, you know, again, listening to, to what it is that your heart wants, you know, um, I mentioned the support of people, um, but take advice from people who, you know, who, who, who grounds you and you know i mean people have their own intelligence to to work out the kind of support group to have around them if you're going through you know a huge change um but just really you know be open-minded and just focus on what brings you joy and nourish yourself mm. you know um and um you know, I, I, when you asked me earlier about a, about a quote and something else has just come into my head, so I've got to share it now. And it's part of a, um, a heart advice from a, from a Buddhist master. Um, and it starts with be not distracted and, and it goes on. But the one that, the line of it that, um, that I think is, is really beautiful is look at your own face. There is nothing to be sought elsewhere which I think speaks not only to being really, um, uh, you know, honor who you are right now because you're perfect exactly as you are in this moment. Um, but it also speaks to this idea of connectedness with, you know, with other people, which when you're going through a big change, you can feel really alone, you know, and it's that, you know, it's, it's understanding that we are all going through these things. We are all connected at any given moment. We are all, you know, going to be feeling these feelings of total turbulence. And it's just knowing that there is support there and there are people, you, you me, who the postman, who knows there are always people there who um, can share because we're all part of this beautiful, you know, universal consciousness, you know? So beautiful. And that's just such a lovely note to end on because it really ties in this theme about how we take a leap in our life into, you know, really finding our purpose. And I love the idea that we're not alone. And that's, you know, part of the fear of leaping is that we, we don't know what's in front of us or who's going to come to support us, but people show up husbands and baby show up and just be and be fearless be totally fearless you know um because the universe is there to catch you yeah i love that okay thank you so much for your beautiful words and if there's any way that me or our followers can support you oh yeah i mean get it get in touch explore ayurveda i'm here to help 
you know, but I, um, uh, yeah, those are, those, those are the, those are the main, those are the main things I'm, you know, I'm a transmitter of these ancient practices, you know, they're not, they're not my own. And if they can be of help to anybody going through anything at all, then please just get in touch. Beautiful. Thank you. And we're going to put all your details in the show notes, but I know you're off to fly to Ibiza today. So I'm going to let you fly and thank you so much for your beautiful words of wisdom. Total pleasure. Really nice talking to you, Simone. Take care. 